0: How's it going? I'm Coco.
1: And this is Mike.
0: And this is Rock and Vino, the podcast where we talk about wine and music and how the two go so well together.
1: Find past episodes all over the web. You can find them at Spotify, on TuneIn, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Apple Podcasts. Everywhere fine podcasts are offered. Uh, RockandVino.com, at Rock and Vino on social media. Like and subscribe. And then you get new episodes every Tuesday delivered to your mailbox. <laughs> Your physical mailbox, I think. to your
0: phone.
1: Exactly. Get
0: that <laughs> notification.
1: <laughs> and we have a cool one this week. This is really, really, one of the most innovative events of music and wine I've ever seen. We're talking First Waltz, going to be presented by Tarp uh, Tarpon Cellars and the Banjo Wine Company uh, at the Blue Note in Napa. And uh, we, we have some of the masterminds behind it here in the studio. We have uh, Jeremy and Quentin here. Uh, thanks, guys, for coming in.
2: Absolutely, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having
1: us. So we're uh, talking with you a little bit about this before we started. Where did the idea for this come about? Just the, I, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, there's a, so many different kinds of pairings, but I don't right. think anyone's seen something quite like this.
0: And this elaborate too. Like yeah. you guys have really like from from what I've read, you're really like getting into that nitty gritty of like pairing music and wine and food together. So, yeah, kind of tell us a bit about how that came about. and
3: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think from the beginning, um, I've really wanted uh, both Tarpon Cellars and Banjo Wine Company to kind of be about, um, you know, the wine especially, uh, certainly, but um, really kind of creating that experience um, and kind of creating that. It's really about connection for me. Um, so whether it's, you know, making wine for people to drink at dinner or with their family when they're home, um, you know, I think having a live event like this is something that's really cool. Um, to be honest, I'd always kind of wanted to do a, mu- a music event, but I kind of envisioned it as being more of just like, you know, a concert that we were a part of. Um, and actually, th- this is kind of a long story, but um, I was walking around uh, downtown St. Helena about a year ago, um, and I ran into this older gentleman um, just on the street, and I was wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt, um, which I know is weird. we wearing one today. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like my uniform. Um, but uh, he stopped me, and we just started talking about music, and, um, he said, you know, I was actually at the um, the last waltz uh, down in San Francisco at the Winterland. And for, mm. for those people that don't know, uh, that was like the band's final performance. Um, they had, you know, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, uh, Van Morrison. And it was this really cool, um, Scorsese did a DVD about it. And it's just this really iconic event. I think it was 1976. I hope I didn't get that wrong. but um, But anyways, he started telling me about some of the things behind the scenes. And it was... Um, that are not in the DVD. Like so, it was Thanksgiving evening. Um, so they had like this pretty elaborate um, like turkey dinner for five thousand people. Um, the Berkeley um, Symphony was there, and they started playing ballroom music, and everybody was dancing. Um, they had like Lawrence Ferlinghetti was there and came out and read poetry, uh, and he was like, "Man, it was just like the coolest the coolest night ever." Yeah. Um, and in my head, I was like, "That is was just a really cool way to connect with the people that were there," and uh, I just like pictured myself being in that audience, and so. Um, so that night I went home and um, put on the last waltz and <laughs> ate a very small amount of mushrooms, and kind of, <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that, uh, and kind of brainstormed and I was like, man, how can we create something that's really cool? And so the, the things that I'm most passionate about are um, you know, obviously wine, but food and music especially. Music's mm-hmm. always been just such a huge part of my life. Um, and so uh, I texted my buddy Carter King, who's in Future Birds, and uh, we have a pretty good relationship going back um, really many years. He's got some Atlanta roots. Uh, like I do. And um, we just started brainstorming. We were like, how can we create something that's like, uh, you know, totally experiential. And there's like all these different layers and you're just totally immersed uh, in this evening. And um, so we knew that we wanted something with music um, and wine, obviously. And then we wanted to do something with really elevated food, um, but without sacrificing the the music aspect. And so um, that was when I reached out to these guys at Blue Note and we got together. Um, I think early this year and we really just hit it off and kind of saw um, you know saw eye to eye on a lot of things and um, you know we didn't want to do just like a normal dinner it needed to be like a really elevated experience with um, you know a chef that's that's just incredible and Uh, to kind of tie it all together.
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh Jackson, (laughs) Uh,
3: But, um, yeah, to make a short story long, we kind of arrived at this idea of having this, um, you know, inclusive experience with all these different themes going on, and uh, we really just hope that it's something that that people can uh, can help connect to us but also just enjoy the experience.
0: Nice. And so to kind of let people know a little bit about what we're talking about, we're talking about the first waltz, as we said, at that dinner, and it's on June 30th at 6 p.m. at the Blue Note in Napa, and essentially – It's your wine, Quentin's food, and the music of the Future birds. And did I understand this right, where they're playing songs that are kind of, that you've matched with the food and the wine with per course?
3: Exactly. So what we wanted to do is kind of create these different um, themes or acts, um, if you want to call it that. And so we have five different themes for five different courses. So like one of the themes is love, one of the themes is saltwater. water. Uh, vulnerability is one of them. And so I just wanted to kind of have that as a vehicle for a discussion um, with, you know, about the food, about the songwriting process, about the winemaking process. And I thought it'd be kind of a cool like, almost like VH1 Storytellers meets like a really nice wine dinner like or something that. like yeah. that. Um, and so, you know, the, the plan is to, you know, have the food um, come out. We'll talk about kind of the theme of um, these guys are just really, they're really smart, really funny, entertaining guys in the band. And so I want to hear myself even like, you know, the stories behind the songs. And so some of the songs are more thematic as far as like the sound, like the, the saltwater one, I'm sure we'll have like kind of a beachy sound mm-hmm. to it. Um, but then also like he told me about one of the songs that we're using for saltwater, Um, was written you know he was on the beach and wrote the story about this um, uh, this like dead pelican or something (laughs) but but, you know so there's there's different ways to kind of connect those themes but um, you know and also just in general like the the vulnerability for example there's a lot of vulnerability uh, in terms of putting something out there um, Mm -hmm. and creating something that that people consume Um, and so from a food standpoint I want to explore that Um, you know from a songwriting standpoint explore that and um, obviously with the wine, so it'll be I think it'll be really neat to kind of tie all three of those together
0: Absolutely, and how much are tickets to the event?
3: Uh, so they're $150 um, They're on the website and um, Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're almost sold out, um, but we're nice. We have some seats Very nice. Perfect. Yeah,
0: and then so Quentin, how did you come into the picture?
3: So I came into the picture
2: from uh, actually uh, Andrew our, our sales uh, director he, uh, he told me about uh, Jeremy, that they were just meeting up that day, and that Jeremy wanted to basically have this event, all I was told, with uh, food paired with it. so just go out and talk to the guy. So I went out and talked to him, <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know, I, I instantly sort of started digging his vibes, and I just felt really, really cool. But first, first and foremost, whenever I get excited, I, I've learned to stop myself. And I always say, you know, what, you, what type of food are you looking for? Because mm-hmm. some people, they, when they say they want elevated food, elevated food to them is like you know, steak over palm puree. You know, that's to me. It's like okay, that's sort of that's just basic. You know, going out and have a nice a nice night. But you know, Jeremy, uh, he said one of his favorite places to eat was at uh, the restaurant at Meadowood, that he was a huge fan of uh, Christopher Costa. And I'm like, great. You know, I used to work there. I love that same sort of stuff and Mm -hmm. and all that. And we kind of started throwing ideas at each other. And the next thing you know, he said, I'm gonna come in for a tasting, and I'll cook him up something. Uh, And I think I felt much much more confident once I once I cooked for him because. He came in and I was so busy with staffing and everything going on in that kitchen that I forgot the day before. So he came in and I was like, oh my God, this is huge for me and for Blue Note and I need to throw something together. So I threw something together within 12 hours and what was it, five or, I think it was, it was a few. It might've been. five or six courses. Yeah, it was five or six courses and it was just spur of the moment, solid cooking and something sort of along the lines of what we could present to the guests without scaring them away, but also sparking their imagination mm-hmm. and uh it was really awesome to have um to see Jeremy's reaction with each course and have him just say, "This was awesome, this is really clean, this is balanced, and basically say everything that i that I thought the dish was without saying anything to him um so that's when I knew you know uh. I was like, I have him. I got this guy. We're going to work out great. I was like, he loved it, and nowhere else else he goes is going to match this. I got it. And a couple weeks later, we solidified it. And I think uh, it took me a little bit to write the menu because... What he's creating is something I haven't, uh, I haven't encountered in, in my cooking career. Mm-hmm. And I've been cooking professionally since I was 13. Mm. And I've, I've paired food with food and wine at every single event. I mean, that's just the standard now As if you're a chef, it's with wine. But when music enters the picture, as far as pairing it with music, that's, that's not normal. I mean, that's something completely different mm-hmm. and a completely different challenge. And when we market it to, a, to the crowd like this, these, this is a crowd of people that gets excited about food uh, about thinking differently and, and, and just being a part of something new so the exciting part for me was showing off um, showing off what events like this can be setting up the foundation for what is going to be in the future and and creating a menu that gets people excited and talking but balances it with the wine and the food so nothing nothing outshines each other it's all working in perfect uh, symphony
1: Now for you as the chef are you following sort of the same, themes the band is or wh- where does the food come in into the pairing what what, uh, what are you trying to so to manage, uh
2: that is course? the tricky part i mean jeremy jeremy helped out a lot because he he set the uh he set the um oh, i'm gonna lost four words what that? yeah the foundation but the uh the the course name so like you know salt water mm-hmm. and uh and love and that that really helped me sort of instead of just kind of go everywhere figure out what vibes I'm doing with the band and with the wine. And he also came in and he brought all of his wines in and that helped out a lot more because his wines are really unique. They're actually what someone like me would drink. They're very bright, they're very acidic and they're extremely flavorful. And that gives me uh, a lot of room to play with uh, on the food. So with the names of the courses, some of them are, some of them are kind of bright and recognizable. And other times uh, a couple of the courses, you recognize the ingredients, but the way they'll be presented to you, uh, you won't even know where the ingredient is. It's all treated so differently with uh, intense technique that I've learned from uh, a lot of my cooking uh, in Europe. That's where a lot of my techniques, I, I get them from.
1: I was going to ask you on that. You've got a pretty varied background. I mean, you mentioned Meadowood. You started at 13. You were in Denmark. So what was your What was your background and how did you give, uh, find yourself in Napa?
2: Uh, so I was cooking since 11 years old, and I just, there was something about it, I just knew I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. I could never really write well, I couldn't really, I couldn't sing, you know, I learned (laughs) about that in the shower, and I I just found myself in cooking when I cooked a steak, and I liked it, I kind of just... It let go of all my emotions I had at the time when I ate it, it was like this full experience for me. And I wanted to give that to other people and that was the only way I could give my art to people. Uh, So at 13, I started up in a restaurant in Palm Desert Um, and I was very lucky that the chef let me work there uh, illegally. I was almost (laughs) like, I went in there and I offered, uh, I just said to the chef, I was like, I wanna work. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to cook." And of course he asked, do you have any knives or any of that? And my answer to everything was, no, I don't have knives. I don't have shoes. I don't have anything. And he said, just come back tomorrow. We'll talk about something. This was on a Friday night in the middle of service. So I, I felt kind of <laughs> stupid. The next day I felt really blessed. He had a little baby knife kit for me and he had just the very basic brand chef coat and uh, shoes. And that's what got me into the, the cooking uh, industry. And I've, I've just fallen in love with it since. So uh, what brought me to Napa was after, uh, after Europe, uh, cooking in Denmark, I wanted to really hone my skills in on, uh, on finer cuisine. And Costa Mesa at the time, it, just, it wasn't doing it for me. There were just nice restaurants, but nothing, nothing Michelin. And that's, that was my hunger for it. So that's why I, I just I said I need to work at a three Michelin star restaurant, and that's how it's going to be. And I moved up here, and I was fortunate enough to work at Meadowood.
1: the rest is history. (laughs) Now, uh, Jeremy, for you, your background, you're you're kind of all over the place also. You um, made wine in Napa, Sonoma, New Zealand of all places. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was your pathway into wine?
3: Um, So I grew up in Georgia uh, for the most part, uh, I'd say outside of Atlanta. And um, yeah, I kind of like a lot of people, I got done with school and didn't have like a ton of direction. Um, I kind of wanted to kind of um, like what Quentin was talking about, I wanted to share something with people and I thought it may be open, about opening a wine bar in Atlanta. Um, it was pointed out to me uh, pretty politely that I didn't really know anything about wine at the time. <laughs> and, um, and they were correct. Uh, so I, I was very fortunate that I had some family out here with a small winery in Rutherford. Um, and so I came out to do an internship really with the idea of just kind of being out here for summer and harvest and uh, going back to Atlanta and opening a wine bar. And um, I was here for like, I mean a week and I was just like northern California the geography um you know working at a winery with my hands being outside um, just really feeling connected with nature and the seasonality of um of viticulture um and I kind of just was I just kind of said you know I don't I don't know that I'm going to go back and so um I did the extension program at UC Davis and worked at a bunch of different wineries um over the course of the last 10 years had some great um learning experiences and great mentors and um um yeah kind of kind of got to the point where I wanted to, I've always had a small, a really small brand um, that we distributed a lot of stuff to Georgia, um, but it was more of a hobby. And then um, being able to kind of, you know, create these two different brands that really achieved two different things for me um, creatively um, has been just a a great experience. And so we're in our third vintage, 19 will be our third vintage. And um, it's kind of cool because I wanted to play off the the last waltz a little bit, but the first waltz is kind of, um, I look at it as kind of like my, way of kind of introducing these wines to the world. I mean, we have a wine club, we have websites and stuff, um, but like the Cabernet from 17 is not bottled yet. So this will be the first time that people taste the Cabernet. Um, and the 18 wines are just are just tasting really beautifully right now. So um, I kind of look at it as a chance to just share uh, what we've we been working on for the last two and a half years.
0: And what kind of varietals do you, um, do you offer?
3: So the, um, so Tarpon Cellars is a Napa Valley brand. Um, and actually we get all of our fruit from Chifflet Ranch down in Oak Knoll. Mm. Um, and they just do some awesome Cabernet. So uh, it's definitely a Cabernet focused brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we do a really nice Sauvignon Blanc that's uh, a little bit different than, than a typical Sauvignon Blanc in California, I would say. Um, we do a little bit of malolactic, a little bit of barrel aging, mm. barrel fermentation. Um, and really kind of create like a textured Sauvignon Blanc. Um, one thing that I found when I was in New Zealand is that, you know, even though they're exporting a lot of the, you know, grassy stuff to us um, that, you know, under $20 and stuff like that, they actually experiment a lot um, kind of in their own winemaking communities with making a ton of different kinds of Sab Blanc. And I just found that to be so interesting, um, but kind of a white Bordeaux style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Banjo is completely <laughs> the opposite. So it's, um, it's really experimental. Um, we did a, <clears throat> excuse me, we did a skin contact Chenin Blanc. Um, We did a carbonic uh, nebbiolo, which was super fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we do some rosés and stuff. Uh, And I'm actually sourcing a lot of that fruit from Clarksburg, um, which I just think is a great up-and-coming region. And it was important because we're doing such high-end stuff with tarpon. I wanted to also offer, um, you know, some lower price point stuff. So all the banjo stuff is like under $30. um, And it's just really... It's kind of like uh, wine that you know, I would sit around and drink in the summer and that my friends uh, would drink, which is they tell you in school like the worst business model. like <laughs> don't make wines for you and your friends. Uh, and that's exactly what I did. but um, but it's really cool. It allows me to kind of, you know, Cabernet, Napa Cabernet is my background and where I learned, and I feel really connected to it. Um, but it's also nice to have something where it's like, Completely let it go, and if it if I screw it up and we dump it, it's not a six figure mistake, you know. Right, sure. So um, it's it's really been cool to kind of have um, both sides of that, and I'm excited to be able to kind of showcase them at this at this event together as well, because you know there'll be different kind of uh, crowds and markets there, and um, it'll be cool to kind of bring it all together.
1: Mm-hmm. No, in in terms of the setup, what uh, what can people expect? I mean, is it everyone sitting at kind of one big table? Everyone at separate tables? Is uh, w-
3: what kind of group are are people going to be sitting with so we're going to break it up into um, I would say small to medium sized tables Mm -hmm. Um, I think you know it's going to be about 50 people Um, so not a huge crowd we want it to be really intimate and one thing that I love about the Blue Note is that like when you're in that downstairs part I mean A the sound is amazing uh, and B there's just like no bad seats Um, so we're all going to be kind of there together as a community Um, and um, what was the second part of the question (laughs) <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it
1: yes. You were saying, uh, I mean, one of the most important parts of this is that brought you to the blue note was you, you wanted the music to sound good. I mean, you said yeah. that, you know, the blue note was a natural fit for you. Um, you know, was that
3: kind of what drew you in? Drew, you to the blue note? Definitely. I mean, the the thing that I didn't want to do was to have a wine dinner with like music on the side. I wanted it to be a true <clears throat> professional music event um, with like really highly elevated food, and, and there's not a lot of places where you can get that mm. experience. So um, that was one thing that I immediately. I mean, Blue Note was the first place that I went, and uh, and honestly, it was the last place I went. So um, <laughs> you know, I went. To, I've been to live shows there a lot, and the the sound is just incredible, um, and obviously the food is great. So it was just it was it couldn't have been better.
1: Do you want to make something like this more of a series where you're bringing different bands, or is this this Exist on its own.
3: Um, we, we're talking about that. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea of having like something really creative and intimate like that, and doing it in different cities, especially like different markets for mm. where our brands mm. are. Um, but at the same time, I kind of love like having something that you know it can't be replicated. <laughs> um, so no, I, I mean we. I do a few events with the Future Birds as well. I'm actually going to um, Colorado this weekend um, to check out some shows out there, and uh, I mean we're we're friends, and so that's kind of a great partnership. But um, yeah, definitely, I think there's, like, so many opportunities with music and wine and food to kind of uh, do these creative things, so.
0: And, no, go ahead.
1: Oh, and with the Q&A aspect of it, I think it's kind of cool because it seems like it's more, it's not just the band or it's not just you as the wine. It's sort of bringing everyone together uh, in the conversation, the, the storytelling aspect of it, um, kind of just bringing the whole, all those worlds together.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that's the coolest part is that, like, when you go eat, you don't always get to talk to the chef, and when you go to a concert, you don't always get to hear from the band, and uh, certainly when you drink wine, you don't always get to hear from the um, the winemaker. And so, this is a way to kind of do all three of those things. Um, I think it's just going to be a really uh, immersive experience. I go to a lot of um, you know, well, shows, but then also dinner, like winemaker dinners and stuff. Um, I, and it's just great to hear from the people that are kind of like the creative force behind that. And uh, I always feel more connected to not only the people that are making it, but the people that I'm there with. Um, I don't know if you've been to like Lazy Bear uh, in the city. Um, it's this restaurant. Um, it's just it's yeah. just really, really nice. And they do like a long community table mm-hmm. and the chefs come out and introduce each dish and you get to know the people next to you. And cool. it's just a cool experience. And I kind of drew on some of that mm-hmm. as well.
2: If, yeah, if I can add to that, that's sort of what kind of turned <clears throat> me on to this event more is there's a lot of wine pairings where you just... You just go there, you eat the food, you drink the wine, and the servers tell you about the wine. But I always have had the best experiences overall and like going home, feeling like uh, someone more important when everyone talks. So, I mean, this one to have the band talk Mm -hmm. and then Jeremy come out and talk and for me to like talk to everyone, it's, I think that'll be, I think that'll just be, you know, euphoric. Everyone will just feel really cool and like they're all really a part of something not left out and not feeling too elitist, just all brought together. That's really nice.
0: Yeah. Now, will you guys have somebody kind of moderating the event and just kind of like seeing if there are questions or is there going to be like with the Q&A, how's that going to?
3: Um, I'm going to be the moderator. Um, and then I hadn't really thought about that, to be honest. I think if, if there's questions, we want people to feel free to kind of chime in. Yeah. We want it to be a conversation between, you know, not only the, I guess it'll be like eight of us up there, mm-hmm. um, but then also, you know, the people. Eating and drinking, and yeah, it's going to be very, very casual and cool.
0: I'm sure once the wine starts flowing, people will be exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
1: No, in terms of the food, is there is there a certain style that you you work in? I mean, what what sort of you know ingredients are people can people expect? Or um, I'd say uh
2: with, with style, I think the the thing for me that's hard to nail down because i had this I had this sort of realization about myself a year ago, and it was I had to just you know calm myself down and not hold myself you know to such a high standard because i I want to be the very best, but then again, you know i'm only i'm only I was only twenty three when i when I became executive chef, and I realized like it's very young and I was very lucky and I worked hard for it. And I've done a lot of really good things for BluNo with the food and working together with my partners, uh, Ken and Bianca, they've, they've given me almost everything I've needed to really bring the food up there. But personally cooking as a style, it's, I haven't found my own style yet. I know there's certain things that um, I'm really good at and like uh, technically advanced at, but as far as nailing it down to a style, I don't think, um, I don't think at this point in my career yet, I can say, Quentin Garcia, executive chef, has his own style. Maybe in ten years or something when I'm right. when I'm really up there. Mm-hmm. But I, I draw a lot of influence from uh, Nordic cuisine. Um, I loved when I was out there in Denmark. We would go out there and forage every single morning and design a nine-course menu from what we found oh, wow. that day. And it was some of the best we'd have had in my entire life. And the only the only area that I would ever uh, be vegetarian in. I would just Ooh, snack really? on crudites all the time. Which is mayonnaise and fermented dips, it was absolutely incredible to have some of the best product grown in the wild at the time and just cook it to perfection. So that's sort of what I'm doing for this event is I'm getting a lot of my stuff from uh, gardeners and uh, our farmers up in uh, St. Supree, uh, getting the best stuff that they can give me at the best time, especially with protein and pair them together. So the dishes aren't really too complex where there's 30 different things on it. Like, a, like I say, a, a linear style to where you're just super confused, but, uh, there will be, um, there'll be a protein and then a couple other ingredients, but they're, they're treated very, very respectfully. They're treated, um, over a long period of time and it'll just be a bunch of little things done perfectly. And to me that makes one of some of the best dishes I've had in my career. So that's what I'm going for.
1: Very cool.
0: And are you guys sharing what the menu and wine pairings and songs are prior to the event, or is it going to be a surprise when guests show up?
3: Um, That's a good idea, or a good question. Um, I think we'll probably wait until uh, we're getting a really nice, like, kind of... um, program or playbill, if you will, made. Uh, but I don't know that we'll share it beforehand. I kind of I kind of like the idea of having a little bit of suspense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, kind of the that surprise when you first get there is uh, it's really fun. Even if you see the menu, <clears throat> you'll have somewhat of an idea, or some people might even think, oh, I've had this before. But I, I guarantee you, once you sit there, you taste it and you see it, uh, it's, it's not your usual uh, sort of menu. I think that's yeah. the exciting part for me about it, is to hear all the feedback and just sort of subvert the expectations.
3: Yeah. One thing, too, that that just reminded me of is uh that i'm excited about is we're going to actually do a spotify playlist um oh, nice. so we have us we have a, a somewhat of a partnership with spotify uh on our back label and stuff but for this event we're going to actually create recreate the um the playlist of those songs and awesome. have a qr code so that uh, on the back of the menu people can download it and kind of relive that experience and um you know hopefully sometimes with the wine and stuff like that so it'll, it'll be kind of a cool way to to relive that that evening Except for without, uh, without the food, shape. yeah. <laughs> yeah like Sorry, I'm you to come. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to get that note.
1: If you scan the QR code, Quentin just shows up. It's right, yeah, yeah, right your <laughs> <laughs> So you're going to have both Charpentier's Cellars and Banjo Wine Company wines at the event. Otherwise, what's the best place to find the wines in retail, restaurants, wine club, what's, uh, where would you direct people?
3: Um, so we're doing mostly direct to consumer through the website, um, for tarpon, for sure, uh, for, for Banjo, um, we actually sell, the place where I do production is called Silenus Winery, uh, down in Oak Knoll. And, um, it's really cool. There's like eight to 10 different brands down there and, um, we do kind of like a co-op tasting room so, um, they can get the Banjo wines, uh, at Silenus. Um, yeah. Excellent.
1: And uh, as far as uh, the band, how would you
3: describe Future Birds for people who haven't heard them? what, uh, what style? Oh man. Um, that's a great question. Uh, and I should have thought about this answer. Um, <laughs> no, they're, they're, I would describe them as kind of like a twangy um, indie band. Uh, you know, they're out of Athens, mm-hmm. Georgia. Um, so they've definitely got like that slide guitar thing that's really cool, mm-hmm. um, but just really cool harmonies. Um, they have three different people that can sing um, just incredibly well, and they, they harmonize really well. Um, it's, it's almost like, if I was going to use other bands, I would say maybe like a cross between like Band of Horses and like Almond Brothers or something like that, because it's, it's got that southernness to it, but it also has a very, um, you know, kind of uh, modern indie clean sound that uh, it's just really cool.
1: Nice. we should probably put some up on the show page for this show for sure. we, that would be awesome we, we play some here but I don't think we have the lawyers ready for yeah. uh, for, <laughs> for that kind of uh, yeah. litigation but yeah head to com. look at the show page and find out all about the future birds and uh, all the great stuff you can expect to hear
0: and then Quentin with the restaurant at Blue Note um, when can people come is it open all the time What is-
2: so right now we're open uh, Tuesdays through Saturdays, and it's only it's dinner only, but there is a show every single uh, every single night. Sometimes we'll have uh, different bands tonight. And usually we have uh, we have uh, bigger bands on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, let's say Tuesdays and Wednesdays are, Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, are kind of the date for the locals. They like to come in and see a lot of local bands. Chill out, have a beer, and then just grab basically some nice little uh, appetizers and snacks. And throughout the weekend, we get a lot of people that come in from out of town, and they they like to have the um, uh, the bigger entrees and a full course meal. So I think for me, the unique thing about Blue Note is that we do offer a we offer a full service restaurant and bar. So it's not just you know jazz club, uh, you know really bad bar bite food. Right. It, it's a full nice restaurant um, entrees and everything available to you. Uh, especially when you're listening to some really cool people to have a full course dinner in front of you with you and your significant other it's it's really nice and there's nowhere else in napa where you can actually get that experience that we offer at blue Note. and i think that that almost makes us a uh, a force to be reckoned with 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 the better bands we're getting in and the and the the better program we're establishing in the kitchen it's just becoming stronger and stronger
0: and are you making dishes for the bands that come and play as well, like in, their, in their every, yeah, there? Yeah,
2: every single band that comes in, I provide hospitality for them. So nice. some of them will come in, and it'll just be uh, they'll. The hardest thing sometimes is the day <laughs> of is, uh, you know, you'll get like thirteen vegans, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? And then that's a lot other, of foraging that day. Yeah, yeah that's a lot. <laughs> and then some people, you know, some bands they'll they'll be very open, and then some bands are. Uh, very specific and then other guest artists are just really into food and they're a lot of fun. You can go out there and kind of do table side service for them, you know, in their in their dressing room and, and they just, they, they love it. So I like providing a hospitality that's hard to provide anywhere else here at Blue Note because we actually, I treat them like I would treat the guests. I'm trying to impress them, not just throw food in their face and get them out.
1: Have you ever had a band ask for just an unusually specific item? Like, I need this one thing. I have to have it. Only brown M and M's. Oh, we did. We did. We
2: had. We've had a couple who who specifically asked for a certain color of M and M's taken out.
0: <laughs> really? I, yeah,
2: I'm not kidding. And I was like, okay, all right. It's gonna be a rough one. <laughs>
0: I mean, isn't that like, uh, like, didn't Van Halen like first do that? Was it Van Halen? Who was that?
3: Somebody like, or Ozzy Osbourne or something. Or maybe Ozzy yeah. yeah like, when take out let, the green ones. Or, yeah. Or, gotta yeah. let the
1: fame get to you.
0: That's yeah. hilarious.
1: I think there were also some, was it Prince, I think, had some great stories hmm. that, yeah, he would like hide a spoon or something in his mm. dressing room. And if they couldn't find it, like they were fired or something like that. Oh, really? He's <laughs> Prince?
0: How random. It was something
1: <laughs> like that. Uh, for So the, the event is First Waltz going up June 30th, 6 o'clock at the Blue Note in Napa. Uh, for tickets, would people go to tarpensellers.com? Is that the best uh, yes. place to direct yeah, people? That's
3: the best avenue to get those.
0: And we'll be sure to link that on the site, too. Okay,
1: so
3: that sounds sure.
1: awesome. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, Jeremy and Quinton, thanks so much for coming in, and good luck to this event and to hopefully the first of many. Yeah, that
3: sounds yeah. great. Thanks, thanks for right. having us. <laughs> we we'll Appreciate guys. it. <laughs>